0: hey what's up tribe thanks for tuning in to another episode of the tfc audio project down under this week is all about walking we delve into the evolutionary history of walking and how it sets us apart from other animals the mechanics of how we learn and improve on efficiency and adaptability the impressive benefits to our physical mental and social health as well as some key tips to facilitate more walking in your life
1: This week's episode is brought to you by TFC Events. We just wrapped up our Melbourne workshop over the weekend and our next stop is Hobart, then Adelaide and Perth starting at the end of May, that tour, through to the middle of June. We'll be running events both on the Saturday and Sunday in each city. We'll have our Feet Balance and Play workshop but also launching our Ground Up seminar which is a full day and full body experience covering the foundations of human movement and exploring physical connection through play. All of the details for those events are on our website, tfc-shopaus.com, where you can grab your tickets too.
0: All right, so you're back with James and Mac after a little week interlude and a really amazing
1: Melbourne trip. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome getting away and... Meeting all our crew down south.
0: Yeah, it was a relatively short trip. It was only four or five days, but we jammed a lot in. Jeez, we did. <laughs> Far out. So we sort of felt like we needed a bit of a break from all the socials, really, and just content creation ahead of such a busy couple of months. But yeah, in, in the Melbourne trip, we got in a few great podcasts
1: with some footnotes down there, Andy, Mick, and Georgina. Yeah, and they will be great. they will be really, really just all interesting characters that People may have heard on Nick's podcast, but yeah, there'll be there'll be different aspects uh, to their life that'll be unearthed, I suppose, through those chats as well. And
0: um, yeah, well, actually, Mick, Mick and George haven't, haven't been, been on. G- it's just Andy, just isn't Andy. It? It's been on Nick's, and um, yeah, they're really good conversations with all of them. Very. Different conversations, but you just find with footnodes you're always on such a similar wavelength. And I could have chatted with them all for hours and hours, but obviously had to. We'll, we'll do some part twos. Yeah,
1: yeah. it was interesting. <laughs> I mean, you've met all of these people before, but um, I hadn't really met any of the footnotes. And I'm probably like a lot of people that listen to the podcast to know them from Instagram, but <laughs> yeah. to meet all of these footnodes in person and get to see their lives and yeah, get a bit of a glimpse into. Yeah, into who they are. It was really, really cool. Um, they're really—they're cool exactly people. who I thought they'd be, I guess. Yeah. But um, yeah, just yeah, fascinating. I mean, it's, spending it's the cool. time with Georgina and her family, and Andy and his pooches, and, and just seeing mixed workspace, and you know, mm. it was—it was a really cool experience.
0: Yeah, so we won't give too much away about about all those because <laughs> those,
1: those podcasts
0: will be rolling out over the next few weeks along with some stories from yours truly or Mac. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yours truly, but <laughs> <laughs> um, Me truly, yes. yours truly. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, so yeah, with the next podcast that we'll release, um, there'll be a bit of a video so that you're not only here from the person but you get to see who they are and and where they've come from so yeah that'll be a, a cool project to roll out over the next month
0: yeah so that'll be hosted on stories told mac which is Mac's storytelling business and we'll also obviously share that across to the tfc uh, platform and yeah so we'll release the podcast in the same week as we release that that story so that'll be great and you're going to do that for more and more nerds over yeah the coming yeah. Weeks and months. as and... soon as
1: we can get overseas i'm Ooh. coming for you felix <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait to get to germany and yeah just to meet i mean it, that's just one city in the world that yeah. had three incredible foot nerds so
0: well that's and there's still a few incredible foot nerds down there that we I haven't know. done incredible so plenty of plenty of ammo exactly um, but, but today yes today Today is going to be all about walking. So we wanted to do a podcast on walking because, I mean, it's obviously such a fundamental human movement that is very, very critical to our movement health and just our overall general health. And it doesn't really get anywhere near, amount of, anywhere yeah. near
1: the amount of appreciation it deserves, I think. It's probably the most underrated movement, like really, given how much we do it. And
0: given how much we do it and given how fundamental it is, everyone kind of just thinks, oh, walking is just walking And our sort of work-focused, exercise-focused society is all about running and sprinting and weightlifting and cycling mm. and, and all of this. But when it comes down to it, I mean, we one of our f- first podcasts was on movement nutrition and walking is kind of like the, it's the, the staple, your foundational yeah. nutrient, yeah. really. Like walking and squatting. It's uh, the water to- of... <laughs> yeah, the water or like the the essential fatty acids, yeah. you know, the stuff that you just have to have in order for your body to function properly. And, you know, even though it's not this intense, flashy exercise, it's actually probably the most bang for your buck. You know, the, I guess in it's the most beneficial movement with the least risk really and really the ma- vast majority of people can walk and if they just walked more and more like a lot more actually <laughs> yeah. w- then it would be very amazing for their health and their longevity and their quality of life so yeah 100% longevity particularly mm, mm. it's something you don't want to lose the ability to walk Oof, and yeah what Actually, there's a quote. So, I've been reading a couple of books uh, on walking, uh, one of which is In Praise of Walking by Shane O'Mara and the other is Perfect Motion by John O'Lanine. And the first one by Shane O'Mara, he's a neuroscientist, so he comes at it from more of like that evolutionary, it's a bit more data-driven and um, I guess a bit more science uh, but very, very fascinating and well-written and uh the the other one perfect motion is a bit more story based but they both have their own they're both really good books and just talk about the the exceptional importance of walking in our life uh in two different ways so I highly recommend checking out those books and today's going to be a little bit of a i guess a summary or you know some of the main thoughts and concepts from those books as well as just some of our own experience uh with walking and if you want to go deeper into it like obviously we're not going to be able to go very deep into the weeds because you could with walking yeah <laughs> even yeah. something as you know quote-unquote simple as walking it's a very a deep topic but we just want to touch on you know all of the main things and then if you want to go deeper into it then those books are a good place to start and um yeah, in turn, I guess on that note of appreciating walking, another reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I've had a, a very interesting and challenging yeah. experience <laughs> over the last few weeks of not being able to walk very well at all. Um, you know, obviously, well, if you've been, been following along, <laughs> yeah, a hop and a limp, um, but if you've been following along on the Instagram or, you know, if actually for those who haven't, then I had an injury, a, a puncture wound injury to my foot um, while collecting firewood out at Bush One where I had shoes on, funnily enough. And I think having the shoes on gave me a bit of a sol- false sense of security. They were disrupts, so very thin sold, um, but I wasn't really properly looking where I was going and I was holding a v- very big heavy log and next minute, I step on a very sharp stick that just happened to be at the right angle, mm. poking, and it goes straight through the sole of my shoe and about
1: two centimetres into the my foot. The look on your face still haunts me. Now. <laughs> I <laughs> was like, oh, something bad's <laughs> happened. I don't know what it is yet, but it doesn't look good. And the, the, the yelp. Primordial <laughs> grunt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, yeah, so that was a really nasty injury, and, and I did post a video the other day on, on Instagram just... Uh, It was, it's called foot injury update. If you want to go and look at it, it's on RGTV, but basically just saying how I haven't really experienced foot pain before in my life. You know, I've had plenty of other pain injuries and issues, um, but feet, my feet, you know, they've only really struggled with your classic stiffness that you get from wearing modern shoes and not, not really proper pain. Not only debilitating. Yeah. Yeah, And so this was a really new experience for me and very challenging, obviously, because my work kind of revolves around my feet, (laughs) my work and my play revolves around my feet and suddenly I couldn't use one of them and it does really, it gave me a big appreciation for my usually fully functioning pair of feet and how much they do and how much they carry me through my day and also just a lot of empathy for people who do suffer with sort of persistent foot pain because... Gee, I, I can't imagine having that for longer than a few weeks. I mean, I, I'm just, it's been three and a bit weeks now, and I'm just at the point where I'm almost back to walking 100% normally. But up until then, it was, yeah, it was either hopping, it was on crutches, and then it was hopping, and then it was extreme limping, and then it was not as extreme limping. And yeah, it's been tough, but, you know, grateful for it as a learning experience. Mm. Um,
1: and I mean, know, walking in particular was probably the thing that you noticed it most with oh 100 just getting from a to b
0: (laughs) yeah well i mean thinking looking back at some of my injuries like my knee pain and my shoulder pain you know there were certain things that i couldn't do with both of those like i couldn't handstand and i couldn't weight lift with the shoulder pain and i couldn't i couldn't even squat or run with the knee pain but i could always walk and i actually found a lot of uh, solace in that fact that I was like, well, I can always go for a long walk and, you know, that wouldn't that wouldn't stir things up. It was
1: the exercise that you could get. It yeah.
0: Was one of the only, you know, truly
1: accessible ones that you could do. Yeah. Movement-wise, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, it, it's shined a light on how important this, I guess, message is of foot health. And because... With most injuries, except for, I guess, feet and ankle injuries, then you can generally walk. But, you know, if you've got a a serious foot or ankle problem, um, I mean, obviously other issues, back pain and hip pain and knee pain can affect your ability to walk. But feet are sort of that most obvious thing, like you're going to be literally stepping on them. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, with this puncture wound, I really couldn't put any weight in that area that had the puncture wound. I probably should have stayed off it more in the early stages, but Perhaps. <laughs> you know, you live and learn. Um, but yeah, long story short, I've just got a big appreciation for walking, just just being able to get around on your own two feet without pain, um, which is sort of where I'm just about to get to now in this process. So, um yeah, check out those videos on Instagram if you do want more context. And I'll be I'll be um, tracking a few more updates over the next weeks and months um, with how it's going. But so far, so good, I suppose. Or it's trending, definitely trending in the right direction. Touch now. wood, yeah.
1: touch wood. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't carry wood. Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, look where you're going if you're carrying wood yeah. and touch wood. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, so <laughs> we do obviously always like to start these
0: podcasts with a bit of evolutionary context behind what we're talking about because like we always say it helps build our appreciation and understanding for the human body and and I guess how we got to where we are now and then that helps us helps inform us about what we should be doing in our daily lives because of the fact that we you know in the last 100 200 300 400 years our genes or our, our bodies haven't really evolved that much but our lifestyles and our environments have evolved a lot and we're sort of struggling to keep up with that and or or struggling to i guess give our bodies what they need in the new lifestyle and environment mm. so when we when we're talking about walking or locomotion in general so just movement in an environment obviously movement is one of the key things that sets animals apart from most of the rest of the, uh, you know, most most other organisms and species and everything. So obviously, I mean, obviously plants move, but it's from external factors only, whereas animals generate their own movement and they need to generate their own movement in order to find food and escape predators, basically, uh, at, at a very... Base, basic yeah, level yeah. and reproduce, so they need to find mates and reproduce. Whereas plants, their seeds get carried by the wind and and so on and so forth. So animals, when a big problem that we have is a movement problem and navigating an environment in order to find food, escape predators, and and reproduce. So uh, the genes for, interestingly, in this book, in in praise of walking. He talks about how the genes for walking and locomotion actually probably developed deep in prehistory in the oceans, so there was um, you know certain ocean dwelling creatures that had similar reciprocal gait patterns as us, whether you know whether it was four legs or or whatever, uh, where they would crawl along the seafloor and that was a way to obviously for them to get around. But what they found is those genes are pretty much the same in those animals um, as they are in us. And like evolution doesn't really need to come up with new things. It just Once adapts to a new out. environment. Yeah. yeah. But it's the, basically the same the cause so there. there we go. don't have to go too deep into that, but interesting little, little yeah. fun fact. Um, but on a, I guess, a more specific to humans level than the human bipedalism, where we walk on two legs and we stand upright is actually a big part of what sets us apart from other animals and especially our ape ape cousins. So, mm. you know, obviously gorillas and, and chimpanzees and so on can go on two legs, but that's not their typical gait. And if they want to go fast and they sort of knuckle walk or knuckle run mm. um, and they, you know, it's sort of, Four limbs, and obviously most land-dwelling mammals are on four limbs as well. You know, horses, dogs, you name it, mm. mostly four limbs. And obviously, there's birds that are on two legs, but that's that's a bit of a different thing, and that it's not like a their birds' main things. Obviously, except for ostriches and emus, birds' main thing is flying. Um, but even even compared against those ostriches and emus then our upright spine is quite... It's, it's a very different um, setup. So, whereas, you know, you can imagine an emu with its long neck and then its spine would then go down and then flatten out horizontally parallel mm. to the ground. Probably not completely parallel, but humans have this very unique, especially in the mammal, uh, mammalian kingdom, I suppose, like the mammalian... Um, I can't remember what they call class um especially in mammals <laughs> I should know that but not off the top of my head um but especially mammals humans are really stand apart and our transition from trees and and four-legged walking to bipedalism actually allowed us to uh, well allowed us to do a number of different things. So first of all it was a much more efficient walk or a much more efficient gait pattern so which means we could cover more ground with less energy and that facilitated migration. So if we needed to get to a new environment or you know just basically walking out of Africa there's a whole chapter in that book called walking out of Africa where we could actually cover that ground and it also facilitated uh, hunting, so having hands free while being standing mm. upright allowed us to use technology and tools and weapons whilst still moving or you know so whether you 're hunting an animal whether it 's walking or running, then being bipedal on two legs allowed us that freedom, whereas obviously that other animals don 't have that freedom, and they have their own weapons like teeth and claws and stuff, but the other Part of that is the upright nature of bipedalism or our bipedalism. The upright nature allowed us to have a lot more face-to-face contact and social connections. And yeah, you know, while, while walking, walking is, is quite a social thing and you'd be walking somewhere with someone, whether it's foraging um, yeah, or hunting, mm. then you actually had a lot more awareness about what was going on um, in your environment and you know more ability to sort of look around you quickly and look at other faces and just understand what was going on and and that helped us work together in uh, in terms of finding food and also building shelters and you know being able to carry wood or carry infants you know mm. it allowed a lot of that advancement really Though, yeah, yeah that advancement that only humans made mm. along that path so you know there's a number of things that set us apart as humans, like opposable, th- well, opposable thumbs don't completely set us apart, but you know, the combination of opposable thumbs, bigger brains, obviously, um, and our ability to walk upright bipedally, uh, has really helped us in our development for better or for worse. Again, you know, <laughs> the planet isn't really thriving with a huge amount of humans on it at the moment, but it, it is cool to, to have that appreciation for where we've come from and, to acknowledge walking as you know as a key a key part of that. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that's important to we we'll just get into the mechanics of walking now, um, and it's important to acknowledge that walking is actually a very complex skill that is really like we said it's taken for granted, and that's because we learn it very early and we never really have to relearn it unless we have some kind of injury or brain injury, and I have worked with. Uh, On physio placements, I've worked with people who've had strokes and Mm. completely lost their ability to walk because one side of their body no longer works. Um, And it's really hard. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, obviously, in cases of a brain injury, obviously, that's going to be a hard, a difficult process because areas of the brain are no longer functioning and you have to have all of this uh, adaptive process all of these adaptive processes for the brain to relearn how to use those muscles is
1: is a lot of it just reps. Like is a lot of it just repetition, 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 mm, or
0: not quite. It's, it's interesting, especially in that brain injury context and we had to do a lot of isolated strengthening because, mm. and we'll get into this a little bit in, as we talk through the mechanics, but when you have a stroke certain types of strokes um, especially in the motor cortex then your nervous like your your connection between your nervous system and those muscles kind of dies basically or it it gets majorly disrupted Mm. and so you don't actually have say say to push forward you need hip extension but for that you need some level of glute activation and now you don't have any glute activation and so yeah we actually had to teach this person how to activate their glutes or how just reps, 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 reps yeah. of activating glutes and then reps, reps,
1: reps of activating quads. and then So it's putting all of the pieces of the puzzle back together so that yeah. it can start working together again. Yeah. So it's a very slow process, but at the same
0: time, it is a very slow process when we are kids as well, when we're babies and developing, it's maybe not quite as slow because all of our systems are set up to, yeah. to get there and they're not injured. But, you know, a baby doesn't just come out of the womb ready to go you know yeah it's a tough process that it's thousands and thousands of reps and a lot of falls which fortunately doesn't matter as much when we're young because we've got less less distance to fall and and less we're less likely to injure ourselves and it does matter a lot when we're old if we lose the ability to walk because a fall really really matters and Mm. can be life-threatening but yeah it's not like i mean it is inherent in the sense that all of the systems are there to get going but the the environment sort of has to facilitate it i suppose and and it does help a lot if kids see people walking around a lot because they go oh well i want to do that or i want to they want that sense of independence and this is what we talked about in that play podcast is Mm. no one's coaching a kid how to walk and even if someone was it probably wouldn't be helping that much it'd probably just be confusing and it's literally just you know it has to want
1: to do it it has to
0: see people walking and go okay i want to do that or it has to there needs to be things in their environment that they want to go to and then they figure out they, it's their problem-solving machine. They figure out, okay, well, how do I get there? First, well, it's is, rolling, yeah. then it's crawling, then it's, you know, shuff, you know well, shuffling, Again, then crawling, then... Finding the most efficient way to do it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and walking is just the most efficient once you can build the patterns. And it, interesting thing on that as well is that robotics... Robotic engineers and everything haven't got anywhere near Mm. close to creating an efficient walking robot. Mm. (laughs) They've got these, I've seen these like dogs, dog looking things. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think it's a place in Boston that's, mm, yeah, incredible. Like, incredible that a robot is able to do what it's doing, but you're right. Yeah. Doesn't quite come close to the real thing, and that's four-legged
0: locomotion. So they're definitely nowhere near close, to getting anywhere near get, getting anything like human locomotion, mm-hmm. two-legged locomotion. Because there is so much that goes into the walking pattern. So first of all, you need enough stability, so balance. And we've talked about the balance system in depth uh, in a previous podcast, which would be you know highly recommend listening to. But just the stability of standing up. Uh, on two legs and Mm. that again that's something that kids need to learn um, painstakingly you know gradually slowly learn how to stand up with many falls and then once you've got the ability to stand on two legs in order to walk you need the ability to stand on one leg Mm. and this is a big reason why we're so big on doing a lot of balance work and beam work and training your hip stability because if you don't have good hip stability then it's going to affect pretty much everything you do on one leg which is walking and running which are two of the most common patterns that we would need to do Mm. so there's that aspect that you know actual hip stability and and overall general balance um then there's the mobility requirements of your hips so hip flexion and extension obviously the main movements um of the hips so going forward and going backwards um the ankle dorsiflexion and plantar flexion and big toe extension and then obviously, big I guess, big toe flexion um, to push off. So, it's kind of hard to explain the mechanics of walking in a podcast. Yeah, Um, of course. You know, it's not very... uh, Audio isn't the best medium for that but you can get the idea that there's all of these areas of your body that are working together in tandem, in sync, in synchronicity to create this pattern that then is fluid. It's fluid, yeah. yeah. Like it, it's, it's a lot of different movements going on at the same time, like in, in, certain, in different phases of gait. So there's stance phase. So you're in stance phase on one leg and you're in swing phase on the other leg and both legs are doing essentially different things mm. at the same time and then they swap and then they swap and then they swap. And so first of all, you need the actual mobility of those joints and, and that's something that is very lacking today because of chairs and shoes mostly because chairs take away your hip extension. Well, they don't take it away, but a long time spent sitting in chairs reduces your hip extension, shoes. which is very important for push-off and, mm-hmm. and you know, propulsion. And likewise, shoes and just sedentarism in general and lack of squatting, reduces your ankle dorsiflexion and plantar flexion um, or just ankle range of motion in general and your big toe range of motion. And then that affects your ability to push off as well. And so Mm -hmm. if you don't have the sort of prerequisite, quote unquote, prerequisite mobility, then your walking won't be as efficient. Um, And that's,
1: I guess, why we see when people do transition to barefoot shoes or walking barefoot and taking off those limiting shoes, why they do find... Such, a, such an impact initially for people who've been walking in, you know, wearing shoes all their lives, you know, tighter calves and mm. um, you, you notice it pretty rapidly because of the limiting factors of, of what you've been wearing.
0: Yeah. Your body's used to one environment and suddenly you give it another environment. And mm. for some people they adapt really well. And for some people it's too much load and they have mm. to go more gradually. But um, I guess giving your body the most n- natural environment that it can get is always going to be or or at least working towards that is always going to be the best thing in terms of efficiency. And Mm. that goes for walking and running and squatting and so on. Um, all natural human movements. So yeah, there's all of these areas of the body that are working together in tandem and in sync to create this pattern. And the cool part is, and I always love to give appreciation for the body is we don't think about it because what, you know, it's hard to learn as a kid and you you're constantly just try and try and try. And as soon as you can, can do it, then you're just trying, trying, trying. And you are, th- I guess, qu- quote unquote, thinking about it. Obviously, we have no memory of <laughs> what yeah. we're thinking about, but we're focusing
1: on learning this pattern. And then once you've got it, you've got it. It's funny that, isn't it? We, we do place, I mean, parents place so much weight on those first steps and, you know, it's an incredible moment, no, no doubt about it. But then once it's done, it's it's like okay, he's okay, walking. What's man. next? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <Run> <laughs> and and we probably lose touch with how special and incredible and amazing that is. Yes, from that moment forward. Yeah, um, yeah. Individually, like personally, or you know, yeah, from witnessing your own child take their first steps. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I guess you lose touch
0: with that appreciation until. Until you lose your ability to walk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Walking's amazing. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so important. Um, but it, yeah, that that is such a milestone for kids because it does. Walking gives a level of independence that almost nothing else does, uh, I think, um, because you're actually able to get from A to B efficiently by yourself, and that can be a nightmare, obviously, for parents because now they're having to watch where their kids going all the time but it is a huge, huge milestone and, and should be appreciated uh, at the time and should be continued to be appreciated as exactly, well. Yeah. But the... So the interesting thing is, like I said, you, you don't think about it anymore. And what happens here is with, with rhythmic movements of the body, like stereotypical rhythmic repetitive movements, we have these things called central pattern generators in the spinal cord. And this is where... Your brain essentially becomes the, the analogy is like your brain becomes the keys that start the engine. And then the the car, the spinal cord kind of drives the car. Mm. So the brain goes, okay, I want to walk. And then it goes, sweet, start the pattern for walking. And then your spinal cord does your rhythmic back and forth motion to get get walking and then your brain goes, okay, I don't want to walk anymore and then that stops. And the same thing, you know, it's similar with breathing. Obviously, you don't have to think about breathing and once you learn to swim and run and those kinds of or cycle, it's just rhythmic patterns that just go over and over and over again. And so, I think that's, that's a pretty cool part of, of yeah, the definitely. brain and, and that is why we are also, I guess, unconscious Or most of us, uh, most people are unconscious of how cool walking is because it is just plug in and go. It's like a self-driving car almost. Yeah. Um,
1: Very automated.
0: But yeah, it's it's a very cool part of it. So central pattern generators and they have, they generate this reciprocal pattern, which is basically opposite hand, opposite leg. So you'll notice when you walk, your right hand goes forward with your left leg and then they both go back as your right leg and left hand go forward. And then that repeats over and over and over again. And so that gives you balance and st- well, it helps with balance and stability and with momentum as well, because you know, well, you can go try for it, try for yourself, try going right leg and right hand together and left hand and left leg together and see how far you get and how easy it is. <laughs> it's not very, not very fun. Well, actually it could be fun, but <laughs> it's not very efficient. Um, and then lastly, in terms of mechanics of walking, it's just about adaptability. So, we've talked about on the podcast before about how in modern society we are generally only exposed to flat level ground and this is very unnatural for us. Not not that we would never be exposed to flat level ground, but in large part... Historically, humans would be exposed to a huge amount of varying terrain. Um, You know, rocks, logs, trees, um, roots, you name it, streams. You know, like just a lot of hills, a lot of different varying terrain that really challenges the mobility and the adaptability of the feet and the ankles. So, the foot-ankle complex works together to send a lot of information to the brain about what's happening at the ground. Mm. And then our brain can then use that information to create appropriate outputs. So, to change our movement behaviors to adapt to the ground. And so, what we don't get in today's society is all of those natural movements that happen at the foot and the ankle and the hip and you know all those natural movements throughout the body that are a result of those varying terrains so i just wanted to bring that up as an issue because our our walking is supposed to be adaptable even though Mm. you know it's a central pattern generator that central pattern can keep going while you're still adapting to it based on different you know based on input from your feet and from your eyes and from your ears and all of these things Mm. um, it is made to be adaptable and on that note we should be exposing it to uh, environments that encourage that challenge
1: and that adaptation Mm. yeah yeah for sure i mean you can pretty much go anywhere without having to even go up a set of stairs these days yeah yeah and let alone a hill
0: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so you really have to seek those those things out and going barefoot or at least in barefoot shoes, um, with, you know that, that have minimal disruption to the natural foot function, is very important for getting the most out of those walks.
1: Because I mean, it's not even it's not even big hills we're talking about. It's even subtle subtle changes mm. in, in in the ground and you know yeah on rocks and, and, and gravel and all of these different things that that, that promote that. It's not yeah it's not h- hiking up a mountain.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's these little nutrients, these little movement nutrients for the feet, and these textures that actually make a big difference to how nutritious, quote unquote, the whole the the whole walk is. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're adaptable. We need to be exposed to challenge in order to adapt. So. Make sure you're challenging. You're your walking, and obviously it needs to be gradual. You don't want to go out and do a a five k barefoot hike first thing. Like we always talk about, it's just gradually exposing
1: yourself to more, more and more challenges. And I think that was probably personally one of the biggest. Um, I don't, I don't know how how I'd say it, but you know, when when I started living with you and was exposed to the the barefoot lifestyle and that was sort of the drip feed for me was, you know, that was the first baby steps I started taking on this whole barefoot journey. And and it was just morning walks, mm, um, mm. you know, our daily walks by the river. Um, it, it, it's only half an hour, 40 minutes. Um, but, you know, that was enough for me to catch the bug, you know, and, and gradually and gradually, y- yeah, you, you, you long for it. You you want to mm. you want to get out for that that walk and to, to expose yourself to textures. It was funny at the beginning. You know, we'd walk we walk along cement and uh, you know along a manicured path. But uh, as you got used to the walk, there are certain parts of that walk that you'd look forward to. Whether it was the the metal grates that were <laughs> over the sewers or a little spiky um, bit, yeah, yeah, <laughs> all of these little different textures that you look forward you looked forward to and um yeah, at first and I remember you know when we've gone on barefoot walks with other people and they've walked across those services, and they shriek <laughs> at, at walking along these these spiky Ooh, yeah that's spiky it's like a shakti mat but out you know <laughs> outdoors, and yeah it's interesting how yeah how how that just builds up over time, yeah, yeah, until your feet
0: start craving it, yeah and yeah, likewise, your feet start craving that and your body and mind just starts craving the feeling of walking as well. Mm. And, I mean, that's something that we're about to talk about actually is, I guess, the benefits on the body and mind. But you never regret going for a walk. Uh, like, No, no. <laughs> <you, laughs> <just, just, laughs> it's just that simple. <laughs> you might, there might be times where... You're like, oh, I don't feel like going out, like, or oh, I'm just feeling really lazy. But if you do push past that and you go out for a walk, I guarantee you're not, good, you don't regret it. No, no. <laughs> it's just, it's just one of those things that always makes you feel better. Yeah. And whatever it is you're doing, even if you're in like a big work creative zone, having a break and going for a walk is always going to help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you can only work and focus for so long, and and you do need to take a break and. I mean, well, we might as well just get into that now. So, walking, and I think especially when it's combined with nasal breathing, which is obviously the natural way that we would walk. Humans and and all other animals don't naturally mouth breathe. Except for dogs. No, they pant. That's their temperature regulation. Oh, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) They have to do that for temperature regulation, but otherwise they nose breathe. Oh, wow. So, it's only when they're... It's only when exact, they're hot and they need, energy, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so humans are the only animal that can sweat. Yeah. Um, yeah. And whereas other animals temperature other regulate yeah, 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 through panting and other things. But um, yeah, otherwise it's nose nasal breathing.
1: No, gotcha. <laughs> I'm proven wrong. Fun, fun, fun fact. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and... Nasal breathing is the most, it's just, well, we had a whole podcast on breath, so check <laughs> we'll out that. that one. <laughs> um, but it's the way to breathe, basically, unless you're extremely exerted and you just have to gulp in air. But for the most part, especially for walking, nasal breathing is where it's at. And walk. It's walking, especially when combined with nasal breathing, it can be very, very physiological very good for our physiology and our psychology. And there's good research behind this. But if you think about movement, uh, about walking, it's basically a full body movement and it can become quite a full body moving meditation. Mm-hmm. So there's, like I said, there's all these parts working in tandem. And I mentioned hips, ankles and feet and toes, but obviously your arms are involved. And then also, especially if you're walking outside, then your head, obviously, well, regardless of where you're walking, you have to stabilize your head on your neck. Um, and have your trunk upright and all of that. So that's that in itself is a movement. Um, but also, if you're walking outside and especially in nature, then you're constantly scanning the surroundings to see where you're walking. You know, glancing down to check where whether there's any obstacles in the way and um, or sticks. Yeah, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> too easy. <laughs> um, so your your whole body is getting involved, and your your senses are enhanced because you need to stay safe in in the environment that you're walking in and, and again, back to evolutionarily speaking, then you can't afford to be out of the zone you can't be, yeah. can't afford to be like completely tuned out in a natural environment because there could be a predator at any point point. and so you, meditation, that moving meditation is really our natural state Mm. of being is of, of full presence in the moment tuned into your senses and what, what is in your environment and what's in your surroundings. That's our natural state. And this is why meditation is so good for us is because they're actually having a little bit of time that we're actually putting ourselves back in that present moment awareness state. Well, it's part of why part of why it's so good for us. And when you combine that present moment awareness with walking then you get a an ultimate combo of physiological psychological you know physical and mental benefits
1: and i i I guess that's one of the benefits of barefoot walking is it forces you into that state even more and i I know that's Mm. one of the things that people often ask us is you know but don't you step on glass or in dog poo and and it's like well I don't because I'm present in the moment and I'm aware of my surroundings. And if there's glass up ahead, I'll have seen it before I stand on it. And it's not a matter of staring down at the ground, but it's using your peripherals and just being aware and being present. Mm, mm. And I think that's where shoes make us less present, you know, in that walking walking motion is because we don't have to worry about what's beneath our feet. Yeah. And I mean, and then the modern world is so sanitized that we don't have to worry about predators either. So we can walk (laughs) aimlessly with our headphones in and get hit by a car as we cross the road because we're not paying attention. Yeah,
0: you're just tuned out. Your feet are protected. Complete autopilot. Yeah. And obviously, obviously, there's a role for foot protection. Of course. Of course. But you're right. And the only time that I stepped on glass, I always say this in my workshops (laughs) and usually when the question comes up, but the only time I've stepped on glass has been once in my. 3 or 4 years of walking on the streets barefoot was when I was looking at my phone <laughs> strolling along whipped out saw my phone replying to a text and then boom there I go and then I was like oh you know in one sense it's like yeah damn I stepped on glass but in the other sense it was like well that's a sign don't be on your phone while you're walking when you you know yeah just be present in what you're doing and you don't obviously there's still going to be risks you can't you can't avoid all injuries and and you know, occurrences, but if you're careful enough, then nothing good or bad will ever happen to you. So Yeah. If, that, <laughs> it, it's that, it's really, you know, you that gotta it? gotta have a little bit of risk in life. Um and you know, there's a there's a lot to be said about risk, you know, and we talked about that in the play podcast. Um and when it comes to flow is risk actually makes things more fun and makes you more it tap, taps you into flow more mm-hmm. into a flow state which is that state of optimal performance um because when something's risky i guess it just does force yeah like you said this forces more presence and being barefoot is pretty still very low risk very yeah if you're present <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah it's a it's a tool for getting into that but um I guess the other thing is walking and and especially nasal breathing also activates the parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest nervous system, which is pretty much the opposite of what most people are in, which is fight or flight, um, sympathetic activation. And again, we talked about all this on the stress and the breath podcast. But again, that is the state that we should be in most of the time. We need stress to grow basically stress is a helpful thing in certain contexts and in certain dosages but if we're constantly in that sympathetic activation where it's fight or flight which a lot of people are due to work and family and you know all of these stresses in our life then it takes a big toll on us and it actually does increase um risk of disease and, and inflammation and everything and is there's it, more nuance to that but
1: is that the same as as, as running or is it is it walking in particular that activates? Nah,
0: running would be more the sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. Because you can imagine walking is just a very gentle rhythm, like obviously running is rhythmic as well, but um, it's more about intensity. So running, you're more likely to be running from something, like a predator, or Mm. running at something and trying to hunt something. And either way, you need the stress chemicals to increase your performance in those states.
1: Yeah, I guess... guess, um, I guess I just asked because I know uh, you know a lot of people in their stressed out lives particularly people who maybe necessarily shouldn't be running um, work, work, work and then their exercise is to either jump on a treadmill or to hit the pavement and, and burn themselves out on a mm-hmm. run. Uh, and I, yeah, I just wonder how beneficial that really is if they could just be going for a, like you said, a, a walk with nasal breathing and and, and getting into that parasympathetic state.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it does all come down to context because that person might, be increasing their resilience to stress by running, you know, and that it all comes down to how well they recover after that run. So like you said, you know, if if someone's super stressed, they're not sleeping well, they're not getting good nutrition and they're trying to burn themselves with running every day, then that's not going to be good. But if they're using running as a tool to really push their resilience and then they're recovering well with good nutrition, good sleep, good hydration, and they're balancing it out with a good amount of walking, then it could be great for them. So yeah, of course. Context dependent, but absolutely. The in in general, society does focus a lot on that. Let's just work, work, work. You yeah. know, let's go to work. We wake up early. We we run, we go to work. We, you know, work yeah. all day and we go home, we go to the you know, all yeah. this. And it's like, you do just need to take some time to chill out and go for a walk sometimes. And and like we said, it, you never feel bad after a walk. You always feel better. And I, on that note... You don't have to run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Running can be great in certain contexts, but you do have to walk. <laughs> and even jogging.
1: I mean, yeah. When, um, when it, just walk, if you're going to jog, just it, it, if the, <laughs> some people we do see jogging, you, you it's just walk. Yeah. <laughs> like
0: it'd be better, more beneficial. It's less, you know, less, less impact on the impact body on well. the joints, which is clearly what these people need because they are, you can tell, can sort of tell when someone is sedentary, they don't have a good running pattern. They haven't trained running. They clearly don't have the, you know, don't have optimal mobility in their joints. And they're just trying to flog themselves through this run. For and weight loss gains. Yeah. You know,
1: for, for a lot of it is, is for appearance. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and for the most part, they would get all of, if not more benefit from running, uh, from walking. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we do know, and we've explored this before, the brain works best with movement and vestibular activation. So um walking is pretty much ideal for both. Like we said, it does take a good amount of stability and balance to stay upright and walk. Um and especially if you do it in non-linear environments, so non, you know, in natural environments really, uh, where there's a lot of variation, then You're getting a lot of that vestibular activation and balance balance training, and so, um, like we've talked about in the balance podcast, there's the mixture between visual, somatosensory, and vestibular inputs that then give us that representation of where we are in space, and so the activation of that is very very good for our brain and actually, they've uh, um, you know different areas of the brain, but one in particular is the hippocampus which um, is involved in learning memory and cognition and mood and is also involved in regulating the stress response. And they've done this study on um, the brain um, of early... So, people in their early 70s. And he talks about this in the book as well. Um, And so, they split about... It was 120 people. They split it up into two groups. And they tracked them over a year and they took one, the the first group, they took walking three times a week. And then the second group, they just didn't change anything about their lifestyle. And I think the walk was only about a couple of kilometers, so not a massive walk, but they found significant benefits. So first of all, the, the volume and the function of the hippocampus was increased which meant that their learning and memory got better. And, and on cognitive tests, they started... On cognitive tests, they started performing like someone who was four years younger than them, four or five years younger than them. Wow. Uh, so it literally reverses the a, the functional aging of the brain. Mm. And um, it also they also found increased uh, levels of BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor bit of a mouthful but it's basically a protein in the brain that supports um, nerve cell growth and synaptic connections so nerve um, neural cell connections and neuroplasticity and that is obviously very important for brain health and brain function and yeah I just thought that was really cool like he he, we've used the quote in the past that you don't get old because you stop uh, you don't Stop playing because you get old, you get old because you stop playing. And this guy used the same quote, but for walking. Yeah, of course. Because most people sort of do just tend at, you know, people think, oh, I'm getting old. And so I just don't do as much activity. But it's like, no, you, you're getting old because you don't do as much activity. Yeah. And you see people in their 70s, 80s, 90s, hundreds who have continued walking and they're in really, really great shape. And it they... Is. Surprise, surprise, they can still walk because they never stopped walking. And this is a very, very important thing. And it's not only for body health, but brain
1: health as well. And I mean, like you said, we've talked about it a lot before, but falls are such a major driver behind, you know, the death of older people. And Mm -hmm. if you keep walking and you maintain that that balance and, and that stability, then yeah it makes sense that you'd live longer yeah
0: actually on that as well um we in our workshops we we talk about the sit well we go through the sit and rise test and, mm. I, and we i think we talked about in the ground living podcast mm. and that is a test of just how well you can get up and down off the ground without using your hands and how the, how correlated that is with uh all cause mortality but also, walking speed is a very good indicator of all-cause mortality as well. So, the slower you walk and the less balanced you are while you're walking, the more likely you are to die um, in you know, the near future, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so, two very, very simple things. Your ability to get up and down off the ground and your ability to walk with speed and confidence uh, two are two of the biggest indicators of your overall health which is really cool. and Yeah. They're very, very, really very cool. simple things to test.
1: Yeah. Very simple things to test and very simple things to stay on top of. You know. mm, mm. Especially if, if you start now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. But it's, it is never too late. That That's a very key message that we want to get across in all our podcasts is it's never too late to start working on something. Um, the other thing that was interesting that he mentioned uh, is around depression. So major depressive do- disorder, uh, has a lifetime prevalence of 10% apparently, which is huge. Mm. So 10% of the population will experience major depressive disorder at some point. And I
1: would be surprised if that's
0: even... It might be climbing. Uh, Well, it is climbing. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that's major depressive disorder. Yeah, major, right. There's other... um, You know, it's a spectrum, you know, and there's other mental health issues and so on but there was an Australian study on 35,000 people that tracked them over a, a, a number of years and they basically tried to correlate um, walking, walking volume, how much someone walked and their risk of getting, this, uh, getting major, major depressive disorder. Yeah. Major depression, we'll call that um, because less of a mouthful but um, Basically what they found in that study is that walking volume is negatively correlated or inversely correlated with risk of developing major depression. So it's one of the it's a very key thing that you can do to avoid getting major depression is increasing your
1: walking volume. Is that I mean obviously plenty of factors would go into that, but you'd Heaps, think yeah. a big a big driver of that could be the, the meditative state that we sort of spoke about, you know, the mm. that that good mental health state that you get in the, the parasympathetic
0: Yeah, yeah, that that'd be huge. Um I mean and plus all the impacts on mood yeah, and health. cognition mm. and, and all of that. Yeah. And physically. Yeah. yeah. And I and and creativity and, you know, you just you are more creative. You're more, you more your your mood is better. Your stress freer, your stress response yeah. is more regulated when you're walking and Um, it's also a really good way to connect socially as well. Mm. And that is obviously very um, protective for mental health conditions, Mm. uh, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, I mean, it can just be walking can be such a, an amazing time to either clear the mind, you know, get into that meditative zone or you can tap into that creative zone. Um, You know, if you've got a problem, problem you need to solve, then, taking a walk can be the best thing you can do to do that like you could i 'm mm. sure most people have had an experience where they 've just been sitting at a computer like trying to figure something out with their study or assignment or or whatever and then it's like, I just need to take a break, go for a walk or go and do something go some some kind of movement, and then you come back and then you've got a fresh mind and you can or you even on the walk, you even figure, out, oh, I should have been thinking about it like this. It's and a reset a f- button, yeah. Yeah, and there's a few reasons for that, but I mean, really, when you get down to it, the brain wasn't made to function sedentary. We're we're made to function moving, or at least with a lot of movement in our daily lives. And when you move, you know, there's there's probably a, a million different. <laughs> Factors that go into why movement helps the brain, but all we we just know for certain that the brain functions optimally with movement, mm. and walking should be the movement we do the most of. Yeah, yeah. And many, uh, many of the many of history's greatest thinkers and writers and philosophers all sort of g up walking as well. Like they all credit walking to be a major part of their routine. People like Hen- Henry David Thoreau and. Thomas Jefferson and Immanuel Kant and Stephen King, all of these big names, they all have like, they all talk about their practice of walking and how much it helps their creativity and their riding flow and all of this. So mm. don't believe us, just... Believe them. Yeah, yeah. believe them. Um, and try it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we will get into some ways to incorporate and facilitate more walking in your life, but... Just to to touch on a point we mentioned just before is that walking can be a really amazing tool for building social connections. And like we said, that's exactly how it would have been used or experienced historically is walking together with a group somewhere. Whether it's hunting or foraging or migrating or whatever, then you're usually doing it obviously with your tribe. And you're making connections along that walk. It's it's not like running where you can running is kinda I mean people give it a crap. Yeah. <laughs> we're Mac and I do our walks along the river and, and we're having a, a leisurely stroll. Like we keep a decent pace, but we're not there to you know, to burn cows. We're there to chat. We're there to <laughs> <chat>. <laughs> and um and we have great chats on our walks. It's yeah. it's one of our favorite times of the day. Um I've been really missing it with this foot lately, but mm. um it's one of our favourite times of the day to just stroll along the river, have a chat and, you know, nod our heads at the regulars <laughs> and, um, and, you know, make fun of people who are running funny. <laughs> Not really, but kind of. Kind of. Um, but we, you know, we see people that are running along and they're trying to talk and they're, they're trying to have a, a full conversation while they're running yeah. and they're going yeah and then this happened and um, I went along to this place and, and it's like it's a, it's painful to listen to and I know it's painful to do as well because I've tried to talk yeah. to people on a run. Me it's, too. You just, you just want to tune out and that's not what running's for. Running is for getting the hell away from something yeah. or persistence hunting and, and running down an animal. But you, you're not having a conversation while you're running. That's not, that's not the idea. No. You can have a full conversation while you're walking and you can even maintain nasal breathing for the most part. Obviously, talking itself involves mouth breathing, but because it's a conversation, you should be
1: able to maintain a level of nasal breathing as well. And because it's so universal as well, I mean... It's something that has brought a lot of people together. Um, mm. You know, even even in the modern day, uh, with, with social media groups and online walking groups, and you know, I, I know my mother has uh, has been involved in a you know walking or a running group, um, and just that whole idea of strangers coming together, because it's something that most of us can do, mm. and. Yeah, and and for people who are lonely or, you know, who who don't necessarily, you know, maybe they move somewhere and they don't have friends or they want to make new connections. It, it is such an easy way for people to connect because... For sure. It's something, yeah, it's something that everyone can do. It's
0: very, yeah, it's very universal. And humans do connect through movement in general, but yeah, walking is such a big one. And, and even bigger on that is our ten Our human tendency to march you know if, if there's a shared yeah. th- he mentions this in the book as well, and um a shared goal or a shared mission to make some kind of political or legal change will often result in a march, so people get together and march in the streets mm. as a show of uh, camaraderie and a show of you know what 's the word um unity really yeah unity yeah. And you march along the street and obviously there's fun runs and stuff to to raise stuff for charity but there's something really um, significant about people walking together
1: yeah I like with my old job we'd often cover marches and um, it was it was was something that I'd never been personally involved with but seeing a group of people together all for the same mission um, and then getting to meet Individuals on that march, and and getting to hear why they're doing what they're doing, and yeah, it, it is a it's a powerful thing, mm. um, and it makes a bloody impact. Like yeah, it really it really makes a statement. And um, I mean, we saw it in America with the riots not too long ago. Peaceful peaceful marches and the uproar that that caused. So you yeah, know, it, it really it really can make a difference for sure.
0: And whether whether it's a a march or a just walking um walking with your friend or with a group anywhere you do get this shared sense of progress somehow even if you're not actually even if you're just going for an aim you know quote-unquote aimless walk or hike like yeah. there's no point to it per se but you get this feeling of like sweet we got to our destination like you know accomplished yeah, yeah like we went for a, a hike with uh the foot nerds in melbourne and it was just a it was just a meander through the Dandenongs, really, but there was a hill at the end, and we got up to the hill, and then Andy was like, "Should we go one more lap?" And we we're like, "All right." And then we went another lap, which which was, was a different way, and then ended up at the top of the of the hill, and we did it all barefoot, which was really nice. Um, and then at the top of the hill, we we're like, "Sweet, let's take a photo." We grouped together, took a photo. It's like this shared accomplishment of like, "Sweet, we did that walk." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so there is something special in that. And walking also syncs you up like even if you're not chatting sort of companionable silence and you're they've found that your um your gait pattern and your rhythm syncs starts up. to sync up and it's actually it's cool to watch it's cool to watch and it's also interesting to observe what happens if someone starts someone sort of persistently starts walking faster than you <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah if you're walking with someone like I'm, I'm quite a fast walker. and I've experienced many times walking with someone, and they're like, "Can you slow down?" Like, <laughs> um, yeah, but it's kind of rude. Yeah. It is kind of rude to walk. Just try pace. to show how long you'll live. For. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Always just flaunting it. <laughs> um, but it is, it's kind of aggressive to like walk faster than the person you're walking with. And I, sometimes I just don't notice. But then when I when someone says it, I'm like, "Oh yeah, whoops, like?" I have to like consciously work on slowing down. But at the same time. I think I've found that happens when, I, when I'm when i tuning out of a conversation or mm. or I'm not as interested in what's happening or maybe not as interested in the person. You almost subconsciously w- walk ahead of them. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm trying to think of specific situations now, but it doesn't matter. But either way, it's cool how the body syncs up with someone else. Yeah, and, for sure. And you don't have to be talking. No. You can just be walking together and, and that's that
1: really shared mm. shared sense of... just just a connection Mm. and I wonder if that happens the same with animals Um, Mm. with dogs you know with humans walking with dogs I'll have to Take note of it next time I'm walking, whether a yeah. a really present animal and, and dog are, are in sync. Maybe. The dogs would be going wild with all the smells, though. Probably. Yeah, true. <laughs> They're not thinking of what their owners <laughs> doing with their gait pattern. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, it's probably more of a human thing, yeah. but I, I don't know. We should look into it. If anyone knows... Not our us, dog. Our dog is not thinking
1: of buddy. <laughs> not yeah, my dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bentley <laughs> would be Eerie looking for off. food. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and maybe a very well-trained dog mm. who is very connected with a uh, human, but interesting, interesting food for thought. Mm. Um, but yeah, so social social walking is a really great way to build connection, and obviously the um, extreme importance of having a tribe and a community f- uh, that is so protective against all of these lifestyle and chronic diseases. So there's that. Um, And he also talks about in the book, like, when you think about a city, its walkability is a huge part of its attractiveness. Like, the the cities that are most walkable... The most livable cities, yeah. Yeah, have, um, you know, great areas to walk. And the river, the expressway along the river is a good example. That gets so much use because you don't have to dodge cars and you don't have to wait at lights and you don't have to, you know, you've got this nice view along the river... It, and heaps of people walk on it like in the morning in the afternoon yeah. there's heaps of people walking and so it's, you know people like walking yeah. but it's got to be walkable whereas I've been to I've stayed in certain parts of cities that are just boring old suburb, like just streets and it's cars and it's lights mm. and it's you know you don't so it's not very yeah it's not very conducive to wanting to go for a walk and so having areas where or at least finding areas and preferably living in areas
1: that are walkable can make a huge difference to how much you walk as well. Huge. I mean, I'm, we're very spoiled that we live very close to the coast here, but, you know, that is one of the biggest boons of a coast lifestyle is yeah. being able to walk along the beach. Waterfront. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, I like
0: this. What He, he uses an acronym, uh, Shane O'Mara. Uh, he uses an acronym, which is EASE so walking environments so this is the idea is for any urban or town planners out there then we for the health of our bodies and for our environment it's very important that we facilitate walking um and so if you have environments that are easy so walking should be easy um obviously accessible so you know you don't want to exclude people who can't walk obviously if you know we want to if we can walk we want to do as much as we can but obviously there are those who can't walk for whatever reason whether they're in a wheelchair um so accessibility is important um and also just accessibility for walkers too and safety and so you know having areas where there aren't like the like the expressway where there's not so many cars or zero cars and just yeah. just a few you know aggressive cyclists here and there but <laughs> <laughs> um and enjoyable so yeah not like big thoroughfares of cars and, and trucks and all of that. Like, you know, even the river is right next to a main road, Coronation Drive, but it's sort of, it's removed enough that you don't, you can hear it, but it's not like in your face and you don't yeah. smelling the fumes and it's down a bit and, yeah. and all of that. So it's just, it's cool things to either, you know, yeah, if you are an urban or town planner, you can think about that, uh, which you may already be thinking about. Uh, or if you're, looking to move places or move houses or move to a new area then really looking for something that is walkable if you can um, because that will make a huge difference to how much you walk and therefore how healthy you are and and yeah how your quality of life in the long run it's a so, simple little hack yeah 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 see and that's what we talk about in habitat like your habitat yeah of and course. your environment makes a huge difference to what you're able to or what you're likely to do you can always work against or work with whatever habitat you're in, but if you place yourself helps. somewhere,
1: yeah, yeah, it's going to make it a lot easier. Or if
0: you just can't, if you just have to live where you're living, which is like, you know, brick and mortar and concrete and everywhere and tr- cars everywhere, then just try and drive somewhere, you know, regularly for a nature walk or, you know, mm-hmm. find somewhere that you're like, oh, that's a good place to walk and just yeah. go there regularly because it, it's kind of one of those non-negotiables. Yeah, for sure. You just you use it or lose it. And it might take years and years to lose it, but you'll,
1: you'll wish you had the one thing you don't want to lose. Yeah. So,
0: um, we sort of touched on a, a bunch of things already throughout the podcast, but we'll just wrap up with incorporating and facilitating more walking in your daily life. So we obviously talked about our daily routine of having a walk and, and really walking is the ideal movement to start your day, whether that's, um, solo or with a friend or a group of
1: people. Or to end your day. Or to end your day. Yeah, Yeah.
0: or both, preferably.
1: Or or during the
0: day, (laughs) Or break it up. Yeah, yeah. actually, the more times during the the day, the better. The Holy (laughs) Trinity, yeah. And breakfast, lunch, (laughs) and dinner. So, yeah, whether by yourself or with a group or just with your partner or a friend, it is... You know, it's either really good for social connection, or it's really good for solitude and just working things out and just being with yourself. So either way, it's a win-win. Um, but daily routine, some kind of daily routine, preferably three times a day, or at least one time a day, where you just get get some steps in. There's a whole thing about ten thousand steps, and I think there's not actually good research to show you have to have ten thousand steps, but it's a good sort of ballpark to, to show, okay, you've done a good amount of walking today. You yeah. know, if you've done a hundred steps in a day, then it's a real problem. Mm. If you've done 8,000 or you've done 12,000, you know, generally the more, the better um, as long as your feet and body can handle it. But yeah, just, just aim for, you know, a good few walks and, a, and also a regular long walk, like mm. hour or two or three, you know, mm. or a hike, yeah. something like that to really push the limits and, and, um, And just immerse a bit more in in the walk. Yeah. And you can listen to podcasts. Like I've found a lot of value in listening to podcasts on walks in in throughout my life. Or lately, you know, obviously you and I go for a walk, so we don't listen to potties, but we chat. Um, Or, you know, if I go for a walk in the Arvo, then sometimes just not listening to anything. Or listening to music can be good too. Um, Or just being alone with your thoughts and the sounds of the river and, and all of that. Yeah. So, a um, few options there for a, for a daily routine. Obviously, walking to work or to the shops is a cool option because it's just bang for your buck. You're going to go to those places anyway and if you can walk there, that's a huge bonus uh,
1: or if you can drive part of the way and then walk part of the way, you know. I think, yeah, I was, I was going to say it's, it's also, you know, it's little things but, When you do go to the shops, or you go to the markets, or you you go to a a, a, you know a concert, and you are looking for that park that is the prime park right out the front, maybe settle for one that's a few blocks away, or you know, um, and and do do make that walk, or take the stairs if there is an elevator. You know, it's just little things that you can do to to achieve,
0: yeah, yeah. It feels like a bit of a cop out that 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 whole advice, but it's it really isn't because if you add up all of those little things yeah. over years, it does it does make a big difference to your overall volume. And most people listening to this are probably already of that mindset, and they take the stairs instead of the elevator and all of that. But it's just good to keep in mind that it is an op, it is a, a option to park further away yeah. and you know do a bit of a loaded carry if you've got some groceries. You know you get extra bonuses and. You know, it's just good to remember that these are options. And it's even good for me to remind myself too. Sometimes I get caught up in the, the busyness of the day and I just want to get in and out of the shops. But, you know, I always find if it's a Sunday morning and we can walk to Milton Markets or if we go to Northeast Street, then we there's usually some level of walking involved, especially at Northy Street with the parking situation <laughs> yeah. there. Um, you know, it's it's just good to find ways to incorporate that into into activities that you're already doing because you're going to do them anyway you yeah. know, if you're going to go to the shops or, the w- or work then you might as well walk a bit um, I think I just added a little thing in here talking about strengthening and mobilizing key areas because for one in one sense you know if you've got like I said if you've got foot pain mm-hmm. or if you've got some kind of pain you're not going to be doing as much walking as you could or should and that's a real problem so obviously there's a lot of factors that come into pain and it's not all about strength and mobility but when we talk about function then strength and mobility are huge Uh, strength and flexibility and and control and so we don't have to go into how to do that for every area but finding first of all if you are in pain finding someone that you trust to help guide you out of it um or At least finding some kind of strengthening program that is progressive that can help improve your function. Often, when your function improves, then pain will improve. Not always, but either way, you want to improve your function. So, you know, get started on something like that, and then also look into obviously other ways of resolving pain. And most people who are in pain have already looked at a bunch. um, But I mean, feel free to get in touch with us if you are struggling with something, especially foot, knee, hip, back related, we've got a really good um, network of practitioners in Australia now who, uh, and and the world, um, but who are are very keen and willing to help with those kinds of things. Um, But yeah, the other thing that it does, uh, strengthening and mobilizing key areas, like we talked about, if your hip extension is limited from so much sitting or if your ankle dorsiflexion is limited from so much shoes, then you're not going to have an efficient pattern. So if you actually, you know, walking is obviously a good way to help increase that, mm. but sometimes it can be a great thing to really target those areas with some strength and mobility so that you can then increase your efficiency. But they go hand in hand. I've found actually walking can be one of the best ways to mobilize my hip flexors as long as you do it with the right intent and you focus on, you know, focus on that full hip extension yeah. and everything. Because yeah. you can walk, you can just meander and stroll... Or you can walk where you're really like powering, powering along yeah. and you're pushing off and, and you really feel your hip flexors Activating going all. and yeah. yeah and glutes and and by the end of it your whole like you come home I don't you've have you experienced that where you come home from like a a fast powerful walk and your whole body's like twitching yeah <laughs> yeah it's like those central pattern generators like oh I've stopped walking I've, <laughs> I was yeah. in such a zone keep going what are you doing so yeah so just strengthening mobilizing key areas uh walking in nature like we've talked about obviously that you get all of these extra benefits of the adaptive, adapting to the ground and the textures on the feet and the and then obviously the the more or the less uh, tangible benefits maybe of the smells and the sights and the sounds and all of these parts of nature that are very very beneficial and have been proven to be very beneficial for inflammation and stress and all of these things that tend to get out of hand. And, you know, we're not in a natural environment anymore. Most people are Mm. in the concrete jungle and it's a very different environment to nature. And Mm. there are benefits to being in the concrete jungle, such as increased safety in many ways. But we do have to acknowledge that we are part of nature and we have to spend time in nature to be healthy. And so walking or hiking in nature, especially with a group, um, you know, or or a partner or a friend, can be such a an amazing thing to do. And one of those things that you probably won't fit in every day, but you know, once a week or once a fortnight or just regularly mm. is a really, really uh, important thing to think about and plan around. And you get the benefit of the grounding and earthing as yeah, well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, if you go barefoot or if you wear earth earthing, yeah, earthing shoes. Yeah. Still got to test out those earth runners. Mm. Um, and then lastly... I mean this has kind of been the theme of the whole podcast but just gratitude just gratitude for your ability to walk and really tapping into that appreciation every time you walk and every time you think about going for a walk and you're not sure if you want to just go man i'm so grateful that i can that i can i can walk yeah and acknowledging that and being like yeah i can walk i really if you can you should Mm. basically yeah um you know, you do lose a lot of independence if you lose your ability to walk and quality of life goes down. And so, you know, really acknowledging it and appreciating it while you can will also help keep it around, keep that ability around for as long as possible. And you really don't have to lose the ability to walk. Right? People no. sort of see there's some natural progression and, you know, you're just going to get a walking stick and then a four-wheeler walker and then you're in a wheelchair. It's like, nah, just just keep walking and you, you shouldn't lo- like you there's really, really no reason to lose it. that ability yeah. um, obviously you slow down a bit as you get older but you know it's it's not a natural progression to lose your ability to walk but yeah I mean in, in that sense it is really it's like a it's a duty to to yourself and to your family and, mm. and to your community and to the earth to walk as much as you can again we're not all perfect you know Mac and I can definitely walk more. That's for sure. For sure. But it's taken steps in the right direction. Pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> and that's probably a good place to wrap it up. All well, it takes note, is we the should probably first go step. For a walk. Yeah, we really should actually. We've been sitting down too long <laughs> um, on the ground, though, so it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll. we'll um, I imagine we'll also do a, a podcast on running at some point, but that'll probably be down the road when we have both been practicing a bit more running mm-hmm. uh, especially after this foot heals up properly uh, or completely and next week we'll next have
1: week. The, the foot nerd chats will start
0: yeah yeah you will start rolling those out so next week will be Andy which is going to be more about feet and footwear Andy and Bryant. The, yes, podiatrist the famous, the famous <laughs> Andy Bryant um, love you said that <laughs> <laughs> love you Andy uh, anyway thanks for tuning in we'll catch you next week see you guys